All right, so I was, uh, I've been studying the life of Moses. You know, we've kind of moved forward in some of my studies. And I was looking at, uh, at Moses' life, right? And you think about it. And I'm going to try to go through quite a big chunk quickly. So I'll just give a synopsis. You, you look at how Moses started, you know, and actually the, the mass exodus, you know, from, from Egypt. It's, a, it's like a lot of people would describe that as the, the, the Old Testament version of, of Christ and us being saved, right? If you look at, you know. But I was looking at Moses himself and, and his character. And I love character studies in the Word. And if you think about it, he grew up as an Egyptian, right? He was trained. He was smart, you know. Um, he was a man of great stature. He'd been brought up in that environment. And I'm not going to go through about the whole way that God orchestrated so his mom could nurse him and everything as he was taken out, but which is a phenomenal study of God's strategy anyway for the provision for a need. But for Moses himself, I was thinking, you look at his life. He started off trained by the Egyptians, like the best, the Pharaoh. He had the whole world at his literal fingertips right? He had a lot of head knowledge, but at the beginning of his life, he learned a quick lesson because his head, um, I think maybe was a little puffed because then his, his heart was not quite as grown yet. You know, it says, give me an understanding heart. That's what Solomon asked for. So with wisdom, he said, but it, the heart and the head are connected. You look at Moses, what happened in the beginning? Obviously he had to run away because he ended up killing somebody. And then he ended up being hunted by the very people and he, 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 had, he had a good heart because he aligned himself. He thought, these are my people. You know, and if you think about it with the Egyptians, they may have looked at him and said, what a dumb guy. He threw it all away. He could have had the scepter in his hand. He could have ruled the nation and he could have influenced the nation. Instead, his little heart led him astray. I mean, he might have looked down on the Hebrews to start with. In fact, he probably did because he was brought up in an environment where the Hebrews were the slaves, right? And so he would have probably grown with a huge head. And oftentimes we can fill our own heads. I was thinking, you know, my studies, oh, I can be so, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to be a, a, a theological beast when it comes to the word or, you know, and I fill my mind and then I go and smack something and then somebody falls in the sand and dies. You know, because I just went there thinking, I know what's best. How dare you? And then pride. He had a lot of pride in him, right? He came in. What happened? So I'm going to just bring a quick synopsis. He then runs. His head was bigger than his heart, you know, I believe. And so he, had, he goes into obscurity for 40 years. Nobody can find where he's at. And, you know, imagine in that 40 years, your confidence in yourself is probably knocked off. Who here has failed at things? Right? We've all, I was thinking, we've all failed at something. And, and this is where it's good. Because actually with Moses, when God then spoke to him, and he goes, oh, uh, I'm going to choose, uh, uh, you're going to be the guy. Moses goes, who am I that you should choose me? All of a sudden, the guy that was full ahead, full of, I have all the answers in the world, was knocked. And then he questions the Lord, saying, Okay, but who am I? Why would you send me? And then he starts to come up with these excuses. And, uh, and I thought about it. I thought, in life, how many times have we fallen and our confidence has been knocked? I'm pretty sure all of us have been there. 
it's actually great to look back on those because when we lose confidence in ourselves, that's when we begin to learn to gain our confidence in the Lord. You see, because I was looking at Moses' life, I was like, man, he, he started off strong-ish. And then God says to him, so then he starts to complain, I'm not a good speaker. All the things that he might have thought in the past, I'm great at. I can't speak. He starts to come up with excuses. He goes, how can I persuade them? And I was thinking, you know, when he comes up, he, God shows him, he says, well, how can I prove that you're with me? And the God says, well, just tell him that I am is with you. Like, I'm with you. I don't know about you, but if you've come against something big, you want something a little more than just say these words, I am is with you, right? It's like, imagine walking into the president's office going, well, mate, I am is with me and he's told me that you need to let my people go. You're, 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 you're a dictator, whatever, whatever it is. I think you'd be a little scared, right? You'd be like, uh... You know what? I did this a couple times before. It didn't turn out so well. I've had to hide. I was 40 years old. I've lived in the desert now as a shepherd, the lowest, lowest. The Egyptians looked at shepherds as like the lowest, right? So he's now become the garbage collector. And now I'm going to go back to the court of the king, the pharaoh, and speak to them and say, I am was with me. Seriously, God? Like he starts to argue with the Lord, right? Like, well, I can't do this. He starts to come up with excuses. And God says, well, what do you have in your hand? And he, he's like, well, I've just got this rickety old stick. You know, don't let me get started with sticks. It's his fault. But I've got a rod in my hand. You know, it's my shepherd's stick. It's probably crooked. It's made out of just normal rubble. God says, well, I'm, I'm going to use that stick to show who I am is with you. You know, that. And so all of a sudden, before, if you think about Moses' life, his confidence was in himself. His confidence was in his ability. That got knocked quickly. Then he got fearful. Then God said, well, no, don't worry about it. That stick, in, one, in essence, was the very thing that he touched the river Nile with. It was the thing was more powerful than having a whole army with him. A rickety old stick. So it wasn't Moses, and it certainly wasn't the stick. It was the God of the stick. It was the God of Moses. So his confidence, God was retraining him to say, look, man, don't come up with excuses. Don't come up with reasons why you may not be good enough. You know, and I was thinking, how many times in life have we potentially heard the Lord and said, um, well, maybe I can add some wax lyrical on it. I'm going to make it a little more than it is. I'm going to bump it up. I know with a lot of youth that I, I deal with, they want to know their calling, right? And so I say, well, just get on with something, mate. Stop waiting for the big call and you're going to be the greatest apostle in the world. It's like, but when God speaks to them, the folly of youth and unfortunately the folly of adulthood as well is that we try to add to what God has said. We focus on ourselves rather than the message God has given us. We focus on ourselves rather than the tool rather than God who's given us the tool. For example, if Moses, because Moses said, I stutter, I can't speak. You know, he starts to come up with, I can't, a lot of things. And by God's grace, he kind of humors him, if you think about it. He goes, well, I'll send Aaron, right? I'm going to send Aaron to help you to, to communicate. And I was thinking today, are there any parts in our life where we're saying, well, I think God has spoken to me. 
but I need to make it a little smoother, a little better maybe. My presentation needs to be maybe more eloquent. Maybe the way I look and the way I present my ministry or my life has to... And God is saying, look, man, use the stick. It's a crooked, gnarly old stick. Touch the water, you know, uh, the plagues, everything. He said, just use your stick. And I was thinking, well, what does that mean today in, a, in our life? You know, are we listening to the Lord or listening to ourselves? Is the message um, more important or are you more important? And it really hit me, you know, are we setting our heart on what, <clears throat> on ourselves more than the message? And I was thinking with, with Moses, you look at this, God is so gracious. Imagine if God said, okay, well then, if you don't want to go, um, I'll send Caleb and I'll get Aaron to do your job. Cy Young, as they say here. It, if God... You know, and it says in Scripture, right, God can raise up His children from stones. You know what I mean? It's like His message, He wants to use us, clearly. You look at throughout the whole of Scripture, He could have freed up the Egyptians, uh, the, the, the Israelites Himself. He could have done all of these things, but He wants to use messengers. And so I was thinking, well, and then you think of like uh, Ruth and, um, and Naomi. Had she not cleaved and said, I'm going to run with you, Ruth's story wouldn't be Ruth's story. You know what I mean? There's a moment where, and this is where I was thinking, there, there are people that can decide, I either will do the will of the Father, I will do it, I won't, the, those, so, and, and I, or I can't. And I, I look at Moses, he kind of does all three. And I thought, by God's grace, praise God, if Moses is guilty of all three, although the, the first one is not guilty, that's actually good. I will means I will obey and I'll step forward in faith. If you're, a, if you're an I won't person, you're an argumentative. No, I won't. You, you met people like that, just look in the mirror. Right? Yeah, no, I won't. No, nope, won't do that. I'm, you know, no, no, won't do that. No, that's not good enough. Nope, I, no, won't do that. You, you know, nah, no, no. Or the, the I can't. The I can't, do you think they're going to achieve anything? Absolutely nothing. They're going to sit where they're at and the story will never be told about the great feats that the Lord did through them. So are you a, obviously we want to be a will person. I will obey the Lord. Send me. Here I am. I will, Lord. I'll go. Or will you argue with the Lord? Moses did a bit of that too. Well, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a stutter. I, I can't even speak. How am I... Or I can't. I just won't do it. You know, and God wants to be glorified in and through us. And I thought, yes, yes, Lord, I want to be that guy that says I will. But help me not focus on myself in the moment. And we can be fooled into focusing on ourselves as we deliver the message. And I can be guilty of this. I can deliver a message and add my wisdom on top. I think all of us can be truthful and probably say that. Well, from my experience, God said, just do it, man. Smack the ground. Well, can I explain it theologically why this could be better to do or my steps? No, just do. Stop arguing. Then you've gone from will to I won't. Well, you know. And then which eventually ends up with, well, then I can't. Because you argue yourself out of doing what God has asked you to do. Can you see the steps? It's like... 
yes, send me. Oh, actually, the doubt has stepped in. So, well, I can't, you know, and you start to come up with excuses. You go down that path, you end up eventually being the can't guy. So then, therefore, I've decided I can't. Or, imagine if Moses came and stepped in front of the Pharaoh. He probably looked a mess, right? He lived in the desert as a shepherd. He was the royal son of the Pharaoh. He left, comes back as a shepherd man, you know, at 80 years old. And uh, a young, young 80 years old. Yeah. Well, then, you know, there's another 80 years and he actually became eloquent. Um, But it took another 40 years. (laughs) But the thing is, he came in, if he had come in saying, I'm going to show off. I'm going to come in in the best suit. I'm going to clothe this message that God has given me, the great I am, who's basically said, you tell them I sent you. And then he starts to give it a theological description and starts to go backwards in time. Have you met people that just want theology? They don't want truth. They just want to argue. They just want, and and the greatest answer to that to times is say, not by wise and persuasive words, let it be demonstrated by your power. God said this, So I'm delivering it. Let's not put any fanciful words on it. So what has God told us to do? Let's just deliver. And I'm not talking about words here. I'm talking about our actions. Or are we we trying to argue around what God has said? Or are you just doing it in faith? Or maybe you're in the can't and so you're just not doing nothing about it. And, and, And if you look at that kind of process, will, won't, and can't, you can put that into a personal lifestyle. You know, if God said, I want you to spend more time with me. Well, I don't have enough time. I'm guilty of that. I'm so busy, God. How can I find the time? I ended up doing can't. Basically, I don't end up doing it. You see what I mean? It starts internal. So are you a will, won't, or can't guy, girl? I reckon we could all be everything. Just like Moses. Moses was the same. But by God's grace, which I'm really thankful for, God humored him, said, oh, okay, I'll send Aaron then. Go on then, man. But imagine, I was just thinking, imagine if, like, you missed the boat. God goes, well, sorry, dude, and you've heard these stories, you know. Is it Reinhard Bonke? He was the fourth guy down the line that God told him, all of that, you know. And it's like, man, well, don't send a stone in my place. Uh, yeah, I'll speak then. No, I I want to be the will guy. I don't want to be left behind. You know, in the Mount of Transfiguration, wasn't it Moses that stood there with Jesus? I don't think that at that time Moses would have complained that he was a will guy. He would have gone, thank the Lord I said yes. And and actually, thank the Lord for His grace. Because I was still a won't, I was still argumentative, and I was still stubborn. I just wasn't going to do it. But God, by His grace. And that's what we have today. Especially in this new covenant that we're walking in. We have a new day. So we find ourselves in that place. Don't get stuck in the, in the argumentative stage or in the complete not doing anything stage. You know? Um, and, and so, yeah, with Moses. And then you find here, I think he's about 120 years old. So this uneloquent God that lost confidence in himself ends up saying something so sublime. He says this, So Moses recited this entire song publicly to the assembly of Israel. He stands up. All of a sudden, he's not asking Aaron to interpret anymore. God had released his tongue. How many times, I have so many moments where I know that I've come into a place and God released my tongue. I've come in there not knowing what I'm doing, 
why I'm there even. And then at that moment, the Spirit of God releases your tongue. I could have been a can't guy and go, well, I don't know what I'm doing. Why have I been sent here and not gone there? But in faith, God then released. So listen to this guy who said, I can't speak. This is his eloquence now under the power of the Spirit of God. Listen, O heavens, and I will speak. Talk about confidence going from the Pharaoh to the heavens. All of heaven, listen to me. It's like, is that the same dude? He's now 120 years old, so he has learned a bit in life. You know, he's had 40 years of big head, little heart, 40 years of bigger heart, little head, <laughs> short little arms. That sounds like a T-Rex. <laughs> big head, little arms, T-Rex guy. That's how he started as a T-Rex, we should say that. And then at the end, his heart and his mind, he got an understanding and connected with the Lord. And that's what we want. You know, the wisest man that ever lived, he said, give me an understanding heart, give me wisdom. And so this is what he says, when God is upon him, and this is what we can all walk in by the grace of God. Listen, O heavens, and I will speak here, O earth, the words that I say. I mean, talk about boldness. Let my teaching fall on you like rain. Let my speech settle like the dew. I mean, man, this guy's a poet. Let my words fall like rain on tender grass, like gentle showers on your plants. I will proclaim the name of the Lord, how glorious is our God. He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is, he does is just and fair. I mean, listen to the faith smack talk that he does here. He's declaring who God is. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright he is. That's the result of a gracious God, first and foremost, because we're all got potential problems with the argumentative and won't and the result of obedient faith by stepping and just doing as the Lord said without adding to it so today as we as we look at our week let's let's figure out whether we are in a place of will truthfully and in faith or are we in a place of won't i.e. arguing over what God has called you to do uh, you may even find yourself in the second phase of life in your desert place. Or are you in a place of can't where you're not even doing nothing at all because you've argued yourself. Or a thing that I think can happen very easily is we let the fear of man, their opinions, supersede that of the Lord's word. Now obviously we've got to listen to wise counsel. I'm not saying don't listen. But I'm saying look at it in balance to what God has said. Is it in faith or are you acting out of fear? Because those are two really simple ways to figure out why am I arguing and why am I not doing? Sometimes it's not to argue is faith, right? You can stop arguing and it's in faith that God will speak for you. And stopping to do something can also be in faith. I'm not saying it's like a blanket thing, but I'm saying what, why? Are we arguing with the Lord or are we truly living the yes, Lord, send me, I will. Right? Amen?